Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today we celebrate the fifth Sunday of Easter. What I want to focus on is the second reading from the book of Revelation. Now this book is probably the most popular book in all of the Bible. Revelation inspired a lot of interest. And why not? It's the very last book of the Bible. It means God's last word to us all. And so Revelation recently became very popular and a source of intense scrutiny. Remember just a few years ago, there was that series of books called Left Behind. It was a series that talked about the rapture and described the end of the world and what would happen to us. Now, this Left Behind series sold millions and millions of copies of books. It became a great source of speculation in what would really happen to us at the end of the world and used specific verses of the book of Revelation to describe the end of the world. Another reason why I want to focus on the second reading from Revelation is because, whether you've noticed it or not, all of the second readings for this Easter season have been taken from the book of Revelation. And so, if the church wants us and asks us to read from this book, then it must be pretty important. And so, it's important for us to address it. Now, the word itself, Revelation, the Greek word is apokalopsis, which means to unveil. The Latin word is revelation, which is to reveal. And so, the first thing that we can take from the book of Revelation, it has nothing to do with describing the end of the world. In fact, it has everything to do with the unveiling or the revealing of the deepest truths of God God's kingdom, and of our world. And it describes it in terms of the past, present, and the future. And it reveals Jesus' Lord and kingship in the past, the present, and the future. That's why Jesus always said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. So then it begs the question, are the messages that are contained in the book of Revelation, still relevant to us in the 21st century, given the fact that it was written 2,000 years ago? I would say yes. In fact, absolutely. Revelation was written by the Apostle John. Now, when John wrote Revelation, he was a bit older. He was a little bit more experienced. He wasn't the young man that he used to be when he was with Jesus and the Apostles. John also is living on the island of Patmos, and it is there he receives these visions from Jesus, and he learns about the deepest truths about God. Now, the first thing that John realizes is he describes the voice of Jesus like a trumpet. Now, many of us know that of all the musical instruments, the trumpet really gets our immediate attention, especially when it's played for military honors as taps. 
So the same thing holds true with Jesus. Next, John has this vision of Jesus in his risen glory. His hair and his beard is white. He's dressed in a white alb. And John describes Jesus. His face is luminous and light is emanating from Jesus. And then the risen Lord speaks to John and tells him to carry his message to the churches of the first century. Now, we know in the early church was primarily located in the northeast corner of the Mediterranean, primarily Israel, Syria, and Greece. And the message is not just for the churches of that time, but it's also prevalent to us in our day and age. And that's where we go to today's second reading. John tells us his vision. John says, Then I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. The former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. John sees heaven opened up. Remember the account of Jesus' death? When Jesus dies, the curtain that covers up the Holy of Holies in the temple is cut or is torn from top to bottom. Now remember, the Holy of Holies essentially was the place that the Jews believed the presence of God was. Well, now it's opened up, and we see that's not where God's presence is. Instead, God's presence is on the cross. Well, the same thing is holding true here. John is going to see exactly where God's presence is. Next, John sees God seated on a throne with the faithful people around him. And what are they doing? The whole time, they're worshiping and praising God. Now, this is important for us to understand. John is looking into a window or a doorway into heaven, and he sees exactly what the life of heaven is all about, worshiping and praising God. Now, it's, again, it's important for us to understand this. When we gather together for the liturgy at Mass, it's not just for us as a faith community. No, when we come together, we gather at Mass and we join ourselves with that heavenly liturgy that John is seen, that John is witness to. We join our hearts and our minds and our voices with the saints and the angels in heaven. In fact, our Eucharistic prayers acknowledge the uniting of heaven and earth at the time of our Mass. Right before we begin to sing, Holy, 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 the Eucharistic prayer specifically says, May heaven and earth unite as we blend our voices with all the angels and saints. Well, we truly believe that. And why not? Since we are in the presence or in the midst of God every time we gather for Mass. And it's precisely why we sing three times, Holy, holy, holy. It's because God, all three persons, are present to us at Mass. And so we sing and we blend our voices with the angels and the saints because our liturgy here in this world echoes the liturgy of heaven. And again, it's so important for us to focus our liturgy not on us, but instead about us joining the saints and the angels to worship and praise our God. Now next, John says, He saw the former heaven and the former earth passing away. 
Another way for us to look at Revelation in the book of Revelation is to see it and read it through the eyes of the first century Christians. They saw the old world passing away. Before Jesus Christ came into this world, the world was ordered to what? Fear, violence, prejudice, sin and death. All those things had the final say over us. But that's no longer. That world was passing away. And the first century Christians saw that. And a new world order was established based upon Jesus' death and resurrection. Notice John, he continues. He says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, God's dwelling is with the human race. He will dwell with them and they will be his people, and God himself will always be with them as their God. And so, yes, our dwelling place, our true dwelling place, is in heaven with God, and God acknowledges that. Next, it says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death or mourning, wailing or pain, for the old order has passed away. Think of the times in which we shed tears, maybe at home, maybe in the hospital, maybe at a funeral. Well, there is no more death, and our tears will be wiped away. And this is how the story ends. God will not allow the dark powers to have the final say over us. Instead, Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, has the final say over us. Jesus' death and resurrection makes all things new and guarantees us the hope and the promise of salvation, eternal life, and a life in heaven in which we will worship and praise God in heaven just like we worship and praise him in this world. St. John Chrysostom once said, We are resident aliens in this world. What do you mean by that? Well, our true citizenship is not in this world but instead it's the world of heaven. That's where we truly belong. And so what must we do? Keep our eyes fixed on the transcendent goal of heaven and then go about the business in this world. Go about the business of praying every day, going to mass every week, and living out a life of stewardship, sharing our prayers, our prosperity, our skills and abilities, for the sake of building up the church in this world. See, when we do that, when we focus on the goal each and every day of our life, when we live out our faith, then we make ourselves worthy on that great gift that God wants to share to us. And it is a gift. We can't earn it. But nonetheless, it is a gift that God wants each and every one of us to have. The gift of eternal life. The gift of citizenship in heaven. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.